With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Brewers on Tap. Boy, this is an exciting one, right? We are inside of 24 hours from opening day. We've been waiting for this for a long time. We got that 60-game season last year. The Brewers made the postseason. It was all well and good, but at the same time, I think we were really just waiting for the 2021 season to roll around. We were waiting for some normalcy. We were waiting to see fans in the stands again. And I think all of those things come to fruition on opening day and will continue to get more and more normal, hopefully, as the season continues, which is also quite exciting uh, when you really start thinking about it. I mean, you think about this, uh, tomorrow is going to be much more normal than anything we've experienced in baseball essentially since the 2019 World Series with the Washington Nationals beating the Houston Astros, right? Like, I, I, I suppose you could point back to the early days of spring training last year, but that's not regular season baseball. That's not Major League Stadiums full and the excitement of Major League Baseball um, in its entirety. This is really going to be the first kind of step towards that. We're not going to be all the way there. There aren't going to be full stadiums yet. But we're going to have major league stadiums with a legitimate amount of fans in the stands for opening day. That just feels so great to say. And I, I think you share in my excitement uh, for what this day is going to mean, not just to baseball, not just to you and to me, uh, but I think, you know, to in a large degree to the country and, and everything we've gone through and and how we're starting to get closer to normal. And, and I do think that as the season goes along and more and more people get vaccinated, we're going to see it get more and more normal as the year goes on. The beginning of the end, hopefully, is what we're all hoping for. So it's great to have you with us for Episode 194 of Brewers on Tap. Uh, the Brewers are ready to go. Uh, the season begins tomorrow. The Minnesota Twins come to town. It's a very formidable opponent. Uh, to get this thing started with, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns in the first two games of of the 2021 regular season. I mean, you don't get much better than that. A great bullpen against a really good lineup in the Twins, and I think a much improved Brewers offense. Everything you talk about when it comes to spring training should be done with the caveat of, hey, it's just spring training. However, there are so many signs of what we saw during the spring that should have you encouraged about this Brewers offense. It all starts with Christian Yelich. He looked like his MVP self from 2018 and 2019 over the course of the 2021 spring training. Now you say, okay, but that's just spring training. And you would be right in saying that. However, as disappointing as last year's overall numbers were, we keep telling you that he was one of the more consistent 
hard hit rate guys in baseball last year. So it tells you he had a lot of bad luck, and he probably struck out more than he's accustomed to. I think there were some other things there that he would, if he was being honest, he would tell you, yeah, these were things I didn't perform very well in that 60-game smaller sample size. But I think those things are behind him. I don't think there's any question about that. So uh, you're going to see a very improved Christian Yelich. And just, by the way, if you say, hey, it was just spring training, well, it was just summer camp when he struggled all summer camp last year and it carried over into the season. So the fact that he, he looks right, he's swinging it well, he's seeing good results, I, I think it should be worth something. How much is that worth? I think we're going to find out once the season gets started and the real results start getting put on the field, but I think you're going to see Christian Yelich get back to this to his Christian Yelich ways, and that alone is worth a lot for this offense. You had Colton Wong at the top of this order. He showed some some power in spring. How much of that's going to show up? I think naturally his power is going to go up playing at American Family Field. Um, I think this is a 15 home run kind of guy, but he's a high on base guy as well, and and I think he's a big addition to this team. Not to mention he's the best defensive second baseman in baseball. Now you add Jackie Bradley Jr. into the mix. You bring Lorenzo Cain back into the mix. Those are guys that are going to help you offensively. And the strikeout numbers should go down collectively for this team also. It's a full season of Daniel Vogelback. Now, is he going to play first base every day? Obviously, we know that's not going to be the case. Keston Hira is the first baseman. He finished spring training swinging it extremely well. There's just a lot to like about this offense and the balance of it. And if Travis Shaw gets anywhere close to what he was in 17 and 18, watch out because this becomes arguably one of the best Brewers teams, in my opinion, on paper. If you get if you get the 17-18 version of Travis Shaw and everybody else like Omar Narvaez and Abisayo Garcia go to the back of their baseball cards and they represent what most seasons look like this team is really dangerous at that point in time a lot of people like the brewers in the nl central and i get it i understand why great bullpen very good rotation with great top end talent at the front of the rotation unbelievably good defense and a very improved offense there's a lot of reasons to like this brewers team and a lot of reasons to put the brewers at the top of the nl central at least on paper going into the year cardinals are going to be in the mix cubs certainly are not a team you should count out and we'll see what the Reds are able to do. I think the Reds are certainly uh, better than the Pirates on paper. I, I would put them fourth on paper behind those other three that I mentioned. But they are definitely talented enough to have a big run in them and put themselves right in the middle of this this NL Central race as well. Should be a lot of fun here. Just to give you some numbers from the spring, uh, here's a few things to just kind of to chew on. And again, caveat, spring training numbers. Avisayo Garcia hit two home runs all of last year. Did not have a good offensive year. This spring, 313, four home runs, tied for the team lead. He drove in 13 RBIs over the course of the spring. Colton Wong in spring. Remember, he got off to the slow start and then he just finished on a tear. 306 batting average, four home runs, six driven and hitting in that leadoff spot. Christian Yelich, 393 batting average, three home runs. Eight driven in. I mean, this is it's really good stuff for this offense, and there's tons of reasons to to, to believe that this offense is going to take a big jump uh, moving forward. Here's what we have for you on the podcast. In just a few moments, we're going to sit down to the opening day starter, Brandon Woodruff, and talk to him about the honor that he gets in getting the ball for the second consecutive year on opening day. He is uh, basically the third 
Brewers starter uh, since American Family Field opened as Miller Park back in 2001. That has got the ball in consecutive years. Giovanni Gallardo did it five years in a row. Ben Sheets did it as well at the beginning of this ballpark. But uh, it's rare company for Brandon Woodruff, and he's excited about it, and he's honored to get the ball for the Brewers on opening day. So that's going to be fun. It's always good to, to catch up with Woody. And then we're also going to talk to Matt Erickson, who is the manager of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, of course, of high A now. They are no longer low A. They are in high A central. It's going to get challenging, I think. Well, eventually we'll, we'll learn these new divisions in minor league baseball. But we'll talk to him about running the, the alternate site last year. The alternate site's going to be a little different this year. It's going to be in Appleton again. And it's going to be, of course, over the course of this next month before the AAA season begins in Nashville in May. Rick Sweet's going to run the alternate site. And it's actually going to be housed out of Milwaukee for about the first 10 days or so. Brewers have this home stand, a very short one against the Twins in this series, and then they go on the road. So the the alternate site squad will stay here in Milwaukee and then go up to Appleton when the Brewers come back home for the second homestand of the year. But we'll talk to Matt Erickson about what it was like being a part of the alternate site last year and about being in high this year and some of the prospects that are coming through the Brewers system. So that's going to be fun. We'll, we'll talk to Matt Erickson as well here on Brewers on Tap. Let's jump into it. Opening day is just around the corner. We're inside of 24 hours now, and Brandon Woodruff gets the ball for the Brewers. Let's break it down. As we continue on Brewers on Tap, Brewers opening day starter for the second year in a row. Brandon Woodruff joins us to talk about the upcoming 2021 season. First off, congrats, man. Back-to-back Opening day starts, that is uh, something that's been a little bit rare around here. So that's pretty cool, and you've definitely yeah. earned it. Yeah. Um, it, I feel like I've heard the last, especially last year, getting the, the first one, and then this year it's, you know, the curse or whatever it is. <laughs> and um, I've already heard that a, a couple of times. But, um, man, it's, it's a huge honor. And, um, you know, it's something – you know, a lot of pitchers who are who are great, great guy, great pitchers, all star pitchers have never had a you know opening day start, and um, you know something that you can look back on. Hopefully, you have a bunch more, but um, you know, uh, just being able to do it a couple times now, uh, definitely grateful for it, and it's something that um, you can always say you've done, and uh, just a, a pretty cool accomplishment. This will be a little different, too, because this one will be at home and there's yeah. going to be fans in the stands. So, I yeah. mean, this will feel probably even a little bit more special than last year's did. Yeah. Um, going going into Wrigley Field with no fans on opening day <laughs> is uh, not not very normal. So um, we've already had a little bit of fan, I guess, interaction, you know, here in spring, although it's not not too many. But um, it seems like things are getting back to normal just having – physical people sitting in the stands and interacting with them. Um, so that's, that's been a, a, a fun part and obviously getting back to the season and, and um, you know, a big league stadium with, with fans in it. I think we're all looking forward to it. You know, you go back a couple of years ago and, and I remember you and I doing an interview out in right field at, at the ballpark down here in Phoenix and mm-hmm. you were, you were in big league camp, but you were still a guy that hadn't made his debut yet. Yeah. I mean, you're just trying to get your feet underneath of you. You'd had a big year in, in high A and then double A on the mound. And, and yeah. fast forward, back-to-back opening day starts, and you're one of the 
the core foundational pieces to this organization. It's, it's amazing how in a couple of years, things can, can go from one point to the next so quickly. What, what has your role been like now from a clubhouse standpoint with some of these younger pitchers? you got a lot of big arms coming up, the Drew Rasmussen's of the world, yeah, the Justin yeah. Hopas of the world. He might not be that mm-hmm. young, but yeah. young in terms of experience. And then guys like Aaron Ashby and Ethan Small that have been around – are you now kind of one of the the guys that they come to uh, as as maybe one of the established guys in this in, in this um, clubhouse? You know, it's it's crazy. I still view myself as a as a young guy. Um, I know relative to our pitching staff, I've you know got a few years, but in terms of league wide, I still feel like I'm a super young guy. So um, you know, I try to. I, I'm not a super vocal guy, so. Um, I try to, I try to lead by example and lead, um, in a way with, with my work and stuff in between outings and, um, and I always like to, to answer any type of questions, but, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really come into the clubhouse just, you know, Hey man, you know, just coming out, but, um, I've definitely had conversations with, uh, Ethan and, and Ashby and, and some of the guys, especially out on the fields and, you know, in the clubhouse a little bit. So, um, but I, I, you know, I, I try to just come in do my work, um, do it the best I can. And, and if anybody has any questions for me, I feel like I'm, I'm a guy that's asking most of the questions. Um, I definitely don't have it all figured out by, by no means. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a two-way street communication. I think we can you can learn stuff from other people that you might not pick up, and you know they may learn something from me. So um, it's been helpful, and if they look at me as a um, a leader in that way. I'm, you know, that's that's pretty cool because I remember my first camp and coming in, and you know having some of the older guys and just kind of keeping my mouth shut and just kind of watching and, and trying to you know not get in the way. So um, it's been pretty cool. And, and you, you mentioned that you like to, to lead by example. I mean, I, I wasn't in the clubhouse last year, but I've been around enough to know that, I mean, you command respect. The guys really respect you. They enjoy being around you. Um, you know, you're a great teammate, obviously. And, yeah. and so when, when you do things like that, I mean, there's so many different ways to lead, but when you have the respect of your teammates – and everybody understands that when you're doing things the right way every day, it's really powerful. And I think that that's not just to compliment you, but that's a little <clears> bit <throat> of the culture in the Brewers clubhouse yeah. anyway, right? Like it feels like there's a lot of accountability to yourself and to your teammates and, and everybody kind of pulls in the same direction in that clubhouse. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, this is our job, right? So, um, I feel like everybody in the clubhouse, it's, it's our job. So, you know, when it's time to work, everybody, you know, definitely gets their work in and takes it serious. And um, I think that's one of the things that's helped us make the playoffs for, you know, three years in a row now. So um, hopefully going on four and it's it's just a collective effort of just knowing that everybody behind you and around you have have put in the work to, uh, you know, be successful. So that way, when you get out on the field, it's just all about going out there and having fun and, and um, you know, doing things the right way. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something in the clubhouse that everybody does and, and um, you know, takes their job seriously. How excited are you to have Colton Wong, Jackie Bradley Jr., Lorenzo Kane back, who I know you're close with? Yeah. <laughs> You've had three of the most elite defenders in the game behind you now. 
defensively. Any pitcher's got to be excited about that. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty crazy to think, you know, we've – I think it's four gold glovers now uh, that's in the field. So, it's like, it's like, man, some of those balls that might be dropping in the outfield that are, you know, could be hits probably are not hits now that we've got these guys out there and, and um, you know, Colton in the, in the infield. And, and it's it, – as a pitcher, it's like, man, just go out and attack have guys put the ball in play, you know, we're going to have people there to make the plays. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a fan. I, I've always wanted to have, I don't try to strike people out, but um, I think there are certain times when you have to, but when you got a defense like that, it's like, man, let's, let's put the ball in the zone and let these guys hit it and have these guys make some plays. You and I have talked every year uh, coming into the season and we talk about different things that you worked on or, or things that you and Chris Hook maybe, be, maybe saw that you could tweak or improve. What, yeah. what was your focus this offseason coming off of a, another really solid year last year? Yeah. What did you look back on and say, okay, here, now here's the next couple of steps mm-hmm. I want to take on the mound? Um, I think I got to a spot last year at the end of the year where I had a, you know, I had a, um, a clear difference in the slider from the curveball, and that's something that I've worked. Man, it's been extremely hard. I, you know, I Hookie was my first, or he was my pitching coach in Double A, and we, that's when we very, you know, that's when we started working on the slider, and um, and that's kind of progressed. It's been good. It's been bad in turn. I, I just feel like every year I feel like it's not good enough, so I try to make it a little better, but. Uh, towards the end of the year last year, I had a difference between the curveball and the slider, and that was something that um, helped me out tremendously because I had two different type of breaking balls that I could go to, and um, a curveball has always been pretty foreign to me. I've never been able to to really have much of a feel for it. Um, I think, you know, last year and then coming into spring, that's that's something I've continued to work on. I think the, um, the biggest thing for me, like the next step, is just being able to really, really command the baseball that way. Um, you know, if I can get to the point where when the catcher sets up the glove and I can hit it pretty much all the time, uh, I think of like, a, I guess the first guy pops in mind, like a Zach Davies or a Kyle Hendricks or, you know, that type of pitcher that can just hit the glove. If I can get to that point with the fastball, um, then that opens the door for everything else. And it's all about throwing all speed over for strikes early and then being able to, to bury it um, when you need to. And that's that's super important. Um, I go back to the outing against the Indians last time. Had a guy two strikes, um, threw a breaking ball, the pitch before, swing and miss, and it's something I, I don't need to make the pitch better. I just need to throw the same one, and then I back up a slider and give up a home run. That's just kind of a lesson learned. Like, you don't have to do um, do any more than what you're doing. It's just all about putting it in the right spots. And um, I think that's another step for me. Um and, you know, I'm not going to take away from what I've what I've done well, but um, I think the next step for me is just continuing to have the consistency with uh, different shapes of the pitches, but um, also being able to locate them where, where and when I want to. Well, Woody, we appreciate it. Can't wait to see you and Corbin form that one-two yeah. at the front of this rotation. I think it, it it's going to be, by the end of the year, maybe maybe as good a one-two punch yeah. as there is in baseball. And, and it's been fun to watch both of you develop over the last handful of years. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Can't wait for opening day. Can't wait. Uh, ready to 
to get back and hopefully hopefully they don't leave that roof open um the whole time early (laughs) in the year so uh that'll be a little hurdle but uh i can't wait to get back and get back in front of the brewer fans now you're mississippi strong you'll be all right yeah we'll see (laughs) (laughs) woody we appreciate it thanks so much man yes sir all right thank you and just a little update for you to to calm any fears for brandon woodruff the roof is going to be closed tomorrow on opening day as he gets the ball against the minnesota twins looking forward to the season he puts together he looked very good this spring his stuff is really jumping off the page at you right now and uh, it's just been fun to watch Brandon Woodruff turn into the pitcher that he's become and, and the locker room presence that he's become as well. And, and he's he's a little shy about it. He doesn't really uh, take a huge vocal role. But I'm telling you, guys gravitate toward Brandon Woodruff. He does things the right way. He competes the right way. He's a big part of that clubhouse culture that the Brewers have that is so superior to the majority of other teams in Major League Baseball. The Brewers have a really good ingredients uh, thrown together there uh, to make up uh, that clubhouse culture, and, and every guy has a, a very specific and very important role in it, and certainly Brandon Woodruff as the opening day starter is a really, really big one. Okay, the alternate site last year was, was something where we, we've learned more and more about that even this spring, about some of the development that went on there with different prospects. Uh, Matt Erickson is going to be the high A manager. He will not be running the alternate site this year for the one month. He'll be down at spring training with the minor league side of things, getting ready for the high A season back in Appleton. But we had a chance to catch up with Matt Erickson. He was around all big league camp and got a chance to see guys like Garrett Mitchell perform and Bryce Terang. And we had a chance to sit down with Matt Erickson and talk to him about this coming year. Checking in on the farm. First off, Matt, that's that's kind of exciting. A new classification this year with all the, the restructuring and reshuffling of the minor leagues. Uh, the Midwest League gets elevated to a, a an advanced A level. And so now you're going to be still managing the Timber Rattlers, but doing it with the high A guys. And, and that's going to be kind of fun, a little bit different challenge for you. Yeah, you know, they the Timber Rattlers have done an exceptional job. I, uh, I've been there my entire coaching career. Um, I think I've managed there now 12 or 13 years. And uh, front office there is tremendous. Rob Zerjov, he, uh, he runs a, a great ship there. And, and the community is uh, obviously a lot of Brewer fans up there. So the connection and the partnership has been great. Um, exciting news. Yeah, we needed some, some good news uh, here in the baseball world after, uh, after 2020. Um, and yeah, the reshuffling of the minor league operations brought the Midwest League from 16 teams to 12. And also, we will now be the high A team for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, a ball is a ball. Um, I think uh, they're still a very young player. Um, but I've been telling people uh, throughout, I guess, spring training when they asked about the difference between low A and high A. For the last decade, I've spent a lot of my time talking with kids that that are not used to the professional lifestyle, the day-to-day operations, the um, staying healthy, the playing uncomfortable. Um, It's a real thing. Baseball is baseball. You're going to constantly make adjustments and try to fine-tune some of your deficiencies as you go. Um, But the the day-in travel um, and competing every single day is is something that you definitely have to get used to as a young player. And now the high-A player, 
has, has usually gone through that at least for one full season. And you know, Matt, when, when you start talking about high end prospects, the guys that sometimes will move fast through an organization, an advanced college guy that gets drafted the year before he, he might move through low a fairly fast. If he's having success and he, and he kind of hits the ground running might be a little lengthier stop in high a too. So for the fans, it might be a little bit bigger window to see some of those guys on their way through an organization. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, and, and some of the, some of the complaints that you have from the true fans uh, with the Wisconsin Tibber Rattlers that uh, are there on a daily basis. And, um, that is one of the things that they, uh, they tend to bark about is that you get somebody and he's, uh, he's fun to watch and he's performing well. And all of a sudden he's gone. He's there for a very limited time. Um, so yeah, you, you're probably right. Um, I think obviously each situation is a little bit different. There's injuries involved. Some guys, uh, are promoted before they're ready, uh, just simply for need. Um, I know in the, in the Melvin area era, he was, he was real key on trying to keep guys at each level, um, for at least a half season or maybe a full season and then move them up and try to try to hit each level, have some success, have, try to have some extended success, uh, and really earn your promotion. Um, right now in the last few years, we have a tendency to, to, uh, send guys fairly quickly. Um, they have a little bit of success. Um, they're always looking to challenge these young players. Um, so I think uh, each situation is a little bit different and, it, and it, it depends on the organizational need and, and the player's need at that time. Matt Erickson is our guest, the manager of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Last year was such a trying year for everybody. You already alluded to it. And yet you were able to be a part of the alternate site in Appleton, which was such a critical piece to the major league team over that 60 game season. And, and you know what, it, it provided a unique opportunity for those players that were able to be there. Some of those guys were guys that were strictly there because they were depth pieces for the major league level. But then some of the other younger guys were able to, to be there, have some semblance of baseball in their lives. And you know what, for guys like, uh, you know, and Aaron Ashby, he got to see major league head hitters at that alternate site. So it wasn't a lost year from a development standpoint. So there were, there were two bonuses to being able to have something with those alternate sites last year. For sure. Yeah. You, you alluded to Ashby, uh, Antoine Kelly, um, Bryce Terang, uh, guys that were not going to get big league time, um, but had significant impact and, and some great competition in our, in our simulated games. Um, and yeah, it was definitely uh, two camps. There was a camp that was were keeping guys ready to impact the, the big league roster at any given moment. Uh, and then there was uh, some guys that were looking to develop and not lose a whole calendar year. Um, and I think uh, I think the staff and the organization and again, credit to the Timber Rattlers in the front office uh, and what they've provided for us at the facility. Um, it was a great scenario. And we talked to you this morning at breakfast. We had a, yeah. a really incredible summer weather-wise last year. So we, a lot of those days, um, were not, uh, were not screwed up by weather. We, we were able to get a lot of, a lot of stuff done in a comfortable environment. And that's not always the case, especially early spring up there in Appleton, Wisconsin. I want to ask you about the timeline now, because it, it the seasons aren't going to line up perfectly like they have in the past. There's going to be a delay now until the minor league seasons get started. And so 
Big league camp's going to end. Minor league camp's going to open. There's going to be an alternate site going on as well back in Appleton again uh, over the month of April. Uh, this is going to be kind of a challenging time, I think, especially for those guys that have been in big league camp that are going to stick around now and be a part of minor league camp. How do you manage those guys and kind of assimilate them into minor league camp after they've been kind of at this for the last six plus weeks? Yeah, the game of baseball is about adjustments. We've always, we've always preached that. Uh, but especially over the last calendar year, um, everything is so fluid. You can make a schedule one day and it's completely changed in 24 hours due for a variety of reasons. So I think these players right now are, are used to adjustments and, and schedule changing on the fly. Um, the technology is great now. Obviously, back in the day, we had a paper schedule. And, and if we had to change that schedule, man, it was tough getting to everybody and make those adjustments. Now everybody's got a phone in their hand. Uh, we have uh, the schedule uh, changes. You can just digitally change it and you got it in your hand. Uh, and so those adjustments, um, I guess, are a little bit easier at the moment. And it's something that they're they're very much used to. Um, I think uh, the plan for the alternate site or for our, our AAA players that do not make the major league roster at the beginning will head to Texas uh, with the with the big league team. And then they'll be off to Milwaukee uh, for the first few days. And I, I believe they're going to use Miller Park uh, after that first opening series. Uh, for that first week and then they will head down to Appleton or up to Appleton from Milwaukee and spend the next couple of weeks there. Um, and the plan is talking with Rick sweet. The plan is to, to possibly play some other, other teams, the white Sox. I know the Cubs possibly the twins are in the, in the discussion of trying to get some, some games up there in Appleton. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and staying at American family field for that first stretch makes sense too because the team has the the three games against the twins then they go on the road and so while they're on the road you can use the the big league facility and and certainly that'll make a lot of sense from that standpoint too it, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch this all unfold it's been fun this spring matt and i'm sure you share in this enthusiasm to get to see some of these prospects perform in big league camp and in big league spring training games i mean we talked about aaron ashby he's really opened some eyes uh, everybody's buzzing about Garrett Mitchell, who really hasn't had a professional at bat yet that actually counts towards the stats in, <laughs> in an actual game yet. And yet he has hit the ball consistently hard all spring. Uh, Bryce Terang has shown that his defense is, is pretty much ready. And, and I like where he's headed from an offensive standpoint. Ethan Small is another interesting arm. I mean, there's a lot of prospects we've had a chance to, to take a look at Mario Feliciano, Another one of those guys, but Mitchell's a guy that potentially, I know assignments haven't been, you know, put out there yet, but Mitchell's a guy that potentially you're going to have a chance to manage at some point this year. How excited are you to, to get a chance to work around him? Cause he looks like one of those talents that has basically every tool you're looking for. Yeah. He looks the part, doesn't he? You know, you, you think about first round picks and, and what they look like in a uniform and, and how they move. Uh, in competition and, and he checks all the boxes, you know, uh, as you mentioned, he's, he's had a, a great first impression here at big league camp um, swings a bat. Well, manages the strike zone. Uh, the game doesn't look fast to him. He looks like he's able to slow things down um, except when his body starts moving, then the game gets fast because he yeah. can really. Um, so yeah. And had a couple conversations with him over the last few weeks and he, and he's a very, congenial humble guy you know he's he's open to 
to information and he, and he seems to try to apply it. Uh, so it's a pleasant conversation as well. He's got the total package right now. You know, I told him the other day, uh, it'll be interesting to see when things don't go completely well for him because baseball is going to present that. I don't care how good you are. Um, you're going to have some struggles. And how do you handle that between the years? How quick can you make adjustments uh, and move on? And obviously that's not only a challenge for him, but that's a challenge for all young players that uh, are trying to be as consistent as they possibly can on a daily basis. So while it looks easy at times, even, you know, for Garrett Mitchell, there will be, there will be trying times and, and adjustments to be made for sure. Another young guy that at some point you're probably going to get a chance to manage is Hedbert Perez and another name that's, that's getting a lot of attention. He's been able to have some, a little bit of action in big league camp in games, but certainly has been in big league camp and, and, and been, I think, doing some impressive things on some of the backfields as well. This is a really talented young man. What, what, what stands out to you about his skill set? You know, another great personality. We, we're not only uh, getting some, some uh, talented physical kids, but we're getting some good personalities, fun to work with. And, and Perez is another one. Uh, he was, he opened some eyes at that alternate site last summer, for sure. A uh, 16 year old kid coming in there, um, trying to compete against uh, major league caliber pitching um, guys that have had their debuts last year. And some guys that have had some significant big league time. Um, and he's in the box competing and fighting like, uh, and not looking out of place. Um, so I'm trying to think of, I was talking with Nestor Corder. I was trying to think of what I was doing at 16 years old and how I was trying to get, compete in high school. And it sure as heck didn't look like that. Um, and so uh, he's another guy that's ahead of, ahead of the curve at the moment. Um, but again, you know, we have tremendously talented people in our game that never get to the big leagues because there's so many intangibles involved. You got to stay healthy. Um, and it's a consistency based game. It's a day to day game. It's not, I'm great on Monday and take Tuesday through Friday off. I mean, it's something that um, the guys that are that are really good at it uh, show up each and every day and are able to play through, you know, not only adversity, but but some uncomfortable. Because um, once you start the season, you're dealing with bumps and bruises and 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 things throughout your body that uh, don't always make it easy to get up in the morning and and compete for for three hours. Um, so those are all you know tests for all of our our players, especially these young, talented guys that uh, we think have high ceilings. Yeah, I think you're you hit on it uh, very well there. I think fans understand that the mental grind is such a big part of this game, but. But unless you do it and live it, I'm not sure you can ever appreciate just how much a part of it it is of being able to to put yesterday behind you and reset and get ready to go again today, regardless of what yesterday was, whether it was a great day or a bad day. You got to be able to bring that same energy again the very next day. It's a it's a hard thing to do, especially when you're 16 years old living in a, in a new country like Edward Perez. Sure. But that's that's a part of the process for sure. Matt, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us some time. Uh, enjoy yourself. This is going to be uh so much fun to have a, a more normal looking baseball season. And I know when I say that it, it means even more to, to those of you on the development side. I appreciate it. It's, it's great to have the game back fans in the stands. Um, I was just talking with our coaches the other day, just smelling the ballpark on opening day when yeah. we played our first game and the smell started coming into the backfields on two and three during batting practice. And it was uh, it's exciting. You know, baseball's back and we're, we're getting back to normal. Um, 
and uh, go Brewers in 2021. And my thanks to Matt Erickson for joining me here on Brewers on Tap. Sometime between now and first pitch, we're going to get the opening day roster, that first lineup of the year. Something always really cool about that as well. I can't wait. This is I'm smiling as I'm talking, if you can't tell. This is going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you out at the ballpark. And if you can't get out for opening day, hope you'll be able to get out at some point in the month of April. Going to be great to have fans back at American Family Field. You have a great one, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you this year at American Family Field. Happy opening day, everybody. I'm Lane Grindle.